Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. How great are our kids? We're so proud of them. Sorry, I just got to... Oh no, I'm down here anyway. That works out. How are we this morning? Everyone. Good, good. Hey parents, we just want to say a big thank you to you and a big, I guess we honour you, we truly do. We thank you for not just valuing the house of God for yourself, but actually bringing your kids along the journey. And so really the growth that we've seen in your kids is a real credit to you and your parenting. And so we want to honour you. Why don't we give it up for our parents as well? You guys are amazing. Absolutely. All right, we're going to get into the Word this morning, so we have ample time just to meet with Jesus. It's awesome. So we're in a new series um, this, this, what is it, a month. It is a month. This series, I'm already like, yay, it's Christmas, holidays, all that good stuff. No, no, we're here, we're good, we're present. Um, so we're in a new series called Did Jesus Really Say That? And um, for me, uh, like as we we're planning this series, I just thought it's so funny the things that we can actually begin to believe about God and, and before we know it, we're living out a kind of Christianity that sometimes isn't quite biblical, isn't quite founded in the Word of God. And, and I definitely found for myself that depending on the background that you're from, whether it be ethnically or um, a religious, a faith-based, background that all of us come to Jesus with with baggage we all come to Jesus with a certain lens that we see God through and so the perspective of God is always filtered through our lenses filtered through our life experiences and so sometimes we come to God not fully seeing him for who he is and so this Christmas season this December season we wanted to basically just chill out we wanted to take a step back from the craziness that that the end of year that Christmas can actually bring. We wanted to stop and we wanted to take some time to actually just meditate on Jesus, actually see who Jesus is afresh again. And so that's the real heart behind this series. And, and I believe the, the question that we're um, discussing this morning, that we're talking about this, this morning, is really relevant in our world today, and especially in the town of Vic Park, I believe. But the question this morning is, did Jesus really say, if you love me, obey these religious rules? If you love me, basically live at church. If you love me, pray these many times a day. If you love me, give everything away that you have, all your possessions to the poor. Did Jesus really say these things? And I can see how loving a God or living for a God who puts more commandments, more rules upon us can be really off-putting. I think as it is today, we live in a world where there's so much pressure on us to perform, right? There's so much pressure on us, um, whether it be in our workplaces, whether it be from home, whether it be for us as students. There's so much pressure on us to get things right, to obey so many rules. And so coming to a God that places even more on us, that can be really... We just don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, I, I would be one of those people that's like, more rules? No, thank you. I, I'll just live the way that I want to without rules. Um, it would be so much easier. 
And something that I've found um, in my time as a pastor, it hasn't been long, and, and so that's the scary part, is that I found that there are so many nominal Christians where, like Pastor Nate unpacked last week, how we step into the doorway of salvation, but we kind of just hang there for the rest of our walk, for the rest of our days, because we want to live our life, continue to live our life with our rules, the way that we want to, instead of taking on God's commandments. In the Bible, time and time again, it talks about God says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And so if we read passages like that, it, it can freak us out. I can see why people would be like, it's actually easier just living without rules, living just the way that I want to. And even just driving through the town of Victoria Park, I saw a sign and it just made me think that this town is so, um, I guess they really celebrate allowing any kind of person to come and live. And, and I do love that part that we are um, friendly towards asylum seekers and refugees. But I was just thinking about all the other things and that this town wants to be known for kind of anything goes and that, that you know, we don't actually need to live by rules and laws and things like that, but everything is okay. But then the problem with that is that everything becomes okay and and it just doesn't get us in the direction that we need to be heading in our life and so this morning that's what we're going to be talking about um, so let's get into it. So growing up for me, um, I grew up going to a Catholic church and um, a lot of people kind of think about the Catholic church with lots of rules and lots of regulations, but I think our family was really blessed in that we went to a um, local church that... Um, you know, it didn't have so many rules. It didn't have so many things that you had to upkeep in order to be a follower of Jesus. But there were some rules. And so one particular rule that I hated as a child, and my mum can totally, she'll think back and she's like, yes, you gave me hell for this. <laughs> but one particular thing was that on the Easter weekend, right? Good Friday. This is how we would spend Good Friday. We would fast the whole day. And it's not like Good Friday is any other day, but it's a public holiday, right? So no shops are open, um, school's not on, so you have nothing to distract you, right? So my mom's got three kids in the house, like pent up in the house. And um, <laughs> poor thing, I'm just like, oh, mom, I'm so sorry. Um, so we've got these kids, and they're fasting throughout the day. And then the thing is, you could break your fast at the end of the day with, with dinner. But the thing is, we were only allowed to eat fish for dinner. As an adult, I love fish. As a kid, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. And so this was like the worst day of the calendar year for me. Instead of, you know, getting ready to celebrate Jesus and, and you know, Easter Sunday and all the great stuff that happens with that, I, I just detested Good Friday. I was like, can we get out of the house some way? Um, can we at least watch, like, Jesus movies? Does anyone remember those Jesus movies that they used to put on TV? It was the best. It made Good Friday okay. Um, but so I grew up with that, and you're probably sitting there thinking, okay, yes, for a child that could be pretty bad as an adult, you can cope. Yes, you can. But the thing is, growing up with these types of rules, these things we had to do, not, it wasn't the rocky start to the Easter weekend that bothered me. It's more the fact that through these rules, my view of God changed, or it, it, it um, gave me a certain perspective of God. 
Growing up with these rules, I thought that God was all about the rules, that he loved rules. And you know what? He loved rules that weren't actually written in the Bible, but he loved all the extra things as well that we came up with. He actually loved those rules. And so he was all about them, and he was all about me relating to him through these rules and him relating to me through my obedience to these rules as well. So that was kind of my journey. And so... In high school, right, I, um, I had the privilege of going to a Christian high school and I met some really great Christian girls and um, so I got to know them a bit and then they invited me to their youth group. So um, basically uh, through this youth group, experience you know I gave my heart to Jesus and so I was really excited because part of it was that the Bible God's word promised me that I didn't have to do anything to earn my salvation and it's the same for all of us here today we don't actually have to do anything it's not our works that amount to our salvation it's simply the free gift of Jesus Christ I love it in Ephesians 2 it says saving is all God's idea it's all his idea and all of his work all we do is trust him enough to let him do it it's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. And so coming to Jesus, when, when he was revealed to me and, and I gave my heart to him, I was so excited. I was like, my days of having to abide by rules and regulations were over. God was pleased with me just because I was his daughter now. I didn't have to earn his love. I didn't have to earn his, his approval or anything like that. But then, I as I mentioned, I started going to this youth group, this Christian youth group, and it was really fun because we had these nights where we'd split up the boys and the girls. So the girls would go upstairs and we'd have these cushions, we'd have so much chocolate, we'd have all of our girlfriends in the same room and our leaders who were just amazing and don't really know what the boys went and did. We didn't really care, to be honest. We were just like, yay, girl time! Yeah, the boys, what would the boys do? Fart. He said fart. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was thinking like, you know, burning a car or something like that. You're like, fuck. Anyway, so we would do this, right? And I'd so look forward to these nights. I remember hearing about the first one and I was like, oh my gosh, girl time with these amazing Christian girls. It's got to be so much fun. And so we, I went and um, we got all of our chocolate and all of that got settled. And um, we started to talk about dating and boys and just basically all those issues that come up. <laughs> Robin's shaking her head. Um, all these issues that would come up for a teenage girl and, and obviously they wanted to, sp our leaders wanted to speak into that and, um, and just make sure that, you know, we're on the right track with all of that, which is so awesome. But you know what? Looking back on these nights, more than remembering, wow, it's so amazing to be a daughter of God or wow, it's so amazing doing life with this sisterhood or wow, even dating so amazing, what I came away with was that there were so many rules to dating. There were so many rules to relating to guys. And, um, and what was worse, it kind of felt like if you didn't abide by those rules, you look down on, you're like, oh, well, she's a flirt or like she, you know, she obviously doesn't want to love God with her life because she's acting that way. And so it, it got really confusing for a girl who had come to God having lived with so many rules and then received the free gift of salvation, but then feeling like I had to abide by more rules to please God again. 
it was so confusing. And, and to be honest, in those years, it really weighed heavily on me that I had to look a certain way. I had to act a certain way. Um, and for me, growing up in an Anglo-Indian family, we hug and kiss everyone, we, we're very affectionate, we're friendly people. And so, yeah, for me, it was tough going. I, I really struggled with it. Um, and so that's kind of where I was at. Um, and then as the years went on, I had the privilege of becoming a youth leader and um, then we moved over to Centrepoint Church and things like that. And now that I was a leader, now that I kind of had that a bit more of a perspective over this whole dating and boys kind of a scene for girls, what I found was that whenever we gave these types of talks to these girls, whenever we laid out these rules of things they had to do, things they shouldn't do, things they should wear, things they shouldn't wear, how they should act or how they shouldn't act, the more that we spoke like that, the more that we gave them these rules rather than godly principles, the more that I'd see these two different, um, what's the word, two different things would happen, two different outcomes. Thank you, friend. Two different outcomes. So one of them would be, you'd have the bunch of girls that were like, I'm not dating. That is a waste of time. There are so many rules. I cannot be bothered with that. I'm going through school. I have, you know, a great friendship group. I go to church. I've got other commitments. I don't want any of that. That's just, no, no more rules. I don't want to do that. And then you'd have the girls who did want to date, but then they kind of kept it to the side and they wouldn't tell us, the youth leaders, because obviously if we had given them rules and they were breaking the rules, <laughs> you didn't want to tell the people who gave you the rules, right? So we had almost these two outcomes of absolute, nah, there's no joy in that. There's no, why would I want to do that? And then rebelliousness on the other hand. And so I was thinking, God, we're just trying to help them. We're just trying to be good leaders, help them out, make sure they know how to do this season in their life well. Um, why is it having this outcome in them? And that's when I realized that, in fact, we weren't really giving them God's commandments or God's principles for their life, but we were giving them legalistic experience from our own lives. And so that's where I was at. In short... I have a bit of an illustration to show you what legalism is. Do you guys like the game Uno? Yeah. Yep. So you're familiar with the Uno ground rules, right? You kind of know how to play it? Awesome. Well, have you tried playing Uno with a millennial or a post-millennial recently? Anyone? Anyone? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So... <laughs> So Uno is different <laughs> when you play with millennials. It's crazy, especially with this one. If you play Uno with Shelly, just watch out. So what happens is, right, with Uno normally, and we played this a few family dinners ago um, with my mom, dad, my brother Aaron, and Nate, and myself. We cracked open this game of Uno. And so... Um, Aaron and myself, kind of with, you know, like we're millennials, so we're thinking of all these added extra rules that we bring to the game of Uno. But as we sat down to play, we were playing normal rules, and then my brother casually plays an intercept move. How many of you know what intercept is? Yep. Okay, so basically, if it's not your turn to go, but you have a card that you can put down, you put it down. Doesn't matter who you're cutting off. First first time I played it that way, I was like, you guys are so rude. It was my go. You just took my go. So that's basically what you do in that intercept rule. 
And so we were adding different rules to this game of Uno. But then as we were doing that, as Aaron played that and intercept card, my dad was like, what? You can't do that. That is not an Uno rule. No, you can't do that. And honestly, like it took two minutes to just kind of calm him down and be like, dad, chill out. It's a new rule. But so a bit of back and forth, back and forth, a lot of, no, you can't do that. Um, later, we, we decided, okay, we're just going to play the normal UNO rules, the ones that are actually explained for everyone to see in a pack of UNO. So I tell you that to tell you this, that legalism is like playing a game of UNO with millennials. You have your ground rules, but then you have every person, and especially depending on what family they come from, like the Kemps will bring different rules to the rules that we would bring um, to this game of Uno. So you're bringing all your different extra rules, but not everyone is bought into those rules because everyone plays the game how it's meant to be played. But then we add our extra rules and we force it upon everyone else playing that they have to play by these rules. So... In a game of Uno, it's kind of funny, makes for a bit of chaos, and it's fine. But if we were to add legalism to our faith journey with God, to our walk with God, this is what we end up with. We end up taking God's commandments, the, the beautiful words that he's written to us in the Bible. We take those and we say, God, you did really well, really well, gold star. You did really well with the commandments that you've written in there and the laws and things like that. But I think you've missed a few things. A few things aren't very clear. And so we're going to add our book of first and second opinions and we're going to add them to your word and um, just to kind of help you out. You're welcome, God. Um, just to help you and your people out. And so we add rules. But where it passes into legalism is that we add rules, our personal rules, and we expect everyone else to abide by these rules. Maybe, yeah, I'm seeing a few nods and you're like, yep, that sounds a little bit familiar. Maybe you grew up in, you know, a religious family or, or a family that was like that. But you add your your rules and then you expect everyone to play by those rules. And so when it comes to Christianity, when we interact with Christianity and God's word in that kind of way, what we end up is with a heartless, a cold, a arrogant faith. That's what we end up with. And that is scary. That is scary. And you know, it's okay. But for us, it's a big deal. And this is what I found that I was perpetuating in these youth girls. I loved them. I cared for them. But I was just taking the laws and the rules that were handed down to me, not necessarily through the word of God, but just made up man-made ones. And I was perpetuating them through my girls. I was under legalism for a while and then I was perpetuating it. The awesome thing, though, is is that Jesus is merciful. I love that in our prayer meeting this morning, we, we just highlighted, we magnified the fact that Jesus is gracious and he is merciful. And so as much as he hates legalism, he hated the spirit of legalism, he also provides us a way out. But I just want to show you, before we get to that, how Jesus interacted with those who are legalistic. In Matthew 23, I think we've got it up on the screen. He says this, You blind guides, you strain out a gnat 
and swallow a camel. I think we're familiar with that saying. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, basically doomed to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly, outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, the Pharisees, the people that Jesus was talking to in this passage, they were a group of religious leaders. So when Jesus came on the scene, these people were teaching the Torah, which was the word of God. They were the teachers, they were the leaders of this, these manuscripts of this word. But what had happened was, um, earlier on in history of the Israelites, the Jewish people, Moses was their leader. And so God met with Moses and gave him 10 commandments to govern the people with, to govern the Jewish people with. But by the time Jesus came on the scene, these Pharisees, these religious leaders had turned those 10, taken those 10 and turned them into 613 different laws think about that for a moment, right? You began with 10. Yep. Okay. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not murder. Fair call. Like, yep, we can live with that. Um, But when we take those and turn them into 613 different rules, can you imagine how weighed down? Just think for a moment in your own life. If you had rules coming out of the rules that now govern your life, just rules upon rules upon rules, it weighs you down. And what's more, what I believe Jesus got so angry about and frustrated about was that it stopped people from coming to God in a loving relationship. You see, Jesus' mission here on earth was to die for our sin and rise again and bring reconciliation between us and God because he breached that gap that, that we couldn't bridge for ourselves. But the thing is, these religious leaders, these Pharisees, they were permitting people from coming to God. They were saying, no, you have to obey these 613 rules in order to be loved by God, to be accepted and approved of by God. And so you had people trying. You had them trying their best, but then they were feeling guilty, which was a guilt that they shouldn't have even been carrying. They were feel, feeling condemned because they just couldn't live up to these 613 rules that they thought God required of them. But it was never God that put, put those rules on them. It was these men. It was man-made rules. And so Jesus hated this. He hated this spirit of legalism. And that's why you'll find that when you read the Gospels, he is the harshest with the Pharisees because they put a stumbling block in between people coming to God and receiving God's love for their lives. Jesus came to bring people who are captive from legalism to set them free. That's why he came, for their freedom. So how do we deal with legalism? Whether we've been under it or, and now we find ourselves perpetuating it over the people that we have leadership over or care for or love. And you know, you don't even have to be in a leadership role. It could just be those people that you love in your life that you're wanting to, um, you want them to walk with Jesus. You want the best life for them. And so you, you, 
put rules on them, really to keep them safe. And that's the thing. We talk about the Pharisees being these horrible people. But I think now, and when I looked into my own life, how I became legalistic was because of fear. How it all starts is that something happens to you, something where maybe someone sins against you or you're hurt by someone or something hurts you, and so you put rules and boundaries around your life. Is that okay? Sure, that's okay. That can even be wisdom sometimes to put those rules in place. But then we think about the people that we love. We think about the people that we care so much for and then we tell them, hey, you better not do that as well because this and this will happen. But that's been your experience. It's not everyone's experience. And so it comes out of a place of fear. And just praying into this Sunday, I I really sense the Spirit of God just wanting to set some people free this morning. Not so much from legalism, but from the root, from fear. The Bible says that perfect love, God's perfect love, drives out fear. And so this morning, maybe you're here and you're like, wow, I... I do like living by these extra rules. They, they, it's like I get comfort from them. It's like I feel safe around them. Or, or maybe you found that your speech can be sometimes legalistic. Jesus is here this morning. God is here and he's wanting to show you how much he loves you so that you can actually give those areas of fear over to him and let his love just wash over them and trust them into his hands and so ladies say we're actually going to have a bit of an altar call and we're just going to invite you to invite God in and to allow his love to take away that fear to take away that fear and uproot that legalism bit of a side note but not really Um, so how how do we deal with legalism in Matthew 11:28 to 30 it says, "Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Come to me," Jesus says. "Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The Pharisees forced, Jesus doesn't force." Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, whenever you open the Bible, Jesus wants to speak very deliberate words into you. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to know the Father's love for you. And I love that in this passage, again, he's so deliberate. His first commandment to us is to come. The Pharisees would say, come after me, come entertain me, come and perform for me. But Jesus just says, come. He just says, come. He says, come with your burdens, come with those things that are weighing you down. Don't feel like you need to get those off your chest or get those off of your life before coming to me, but come with it all. Come with it all, because we can deal with that together. It's kind of like how... When kids turn a certain age, and and we saw this a little bit in in our nephews. I love my nephews. They're so great. Um, But we saw this at a certain age that they all of a sudden become aware of of their imperfections. They become aware of, you know, when they've done something naughty and, and they feel ashamed for it. They become aware of it and then they feel like they need to be good or try extra harder and perform in order to get mums or dads affections or approval again. It's a bit like that. Sometimes when we have been 
legalistic, when we've been under all of these rules, it's really hard to shake off coming to Jesus without performing for him or coming to Jesus. And I'm definitely, I'm preaching this to myself. I, I've been in this. And so coming to Jesus sometimes is so difficult because you feel like, God, I have to get myself right first. But Jesus says, come, come. With me, there is real rest. With me, there is real peace. Don't get rid of your stuff before you come to me because in fact, you can't. We can't. <laughs> That's the truth. But we just come to Jesus. And as much as Jesus commands us to come, he commands us to come, to be with him. So the second thing is that he commands us to come and learn. I think we all love the thought of coming to Jesus or um, for a rest or for some time out, right? Or going on a holiday for Nate. He can't resist a nap when it calls to him. We, we love resting. We love coming and being in that space. But the thing is sometimes we forget the part that comes after that, the part where we're supposed to learn. We're supposed to walk with Jesus. Walking is a process. We're supposed to learn. We're supposed to work with him, learn how he does it. It's so funny, but but something I find really frustrating as a pastor is that sometimes you have people come to you and they're like, I'm just so burnt out. I'm just so burdened at the moment. I need to take a rest. And it's like, that, that part doesn't bother me. That's cool. Totally. Take time off. Get some rest. Go alone and be with Jesus. Just go and have that time. That is awesome. But when they come back and after a while, it's like there's a bit of a cycle and they come back into things and, and they're burdened again and, and they come and they're like, I, I need to take a break again. I'm just burnt out. I just, I can't help but wonder, hang on a sec. You went to be with Jesus. You got that rest that you needed. What was missing? Why, why is this a cycle in your life now? Why are you getting burnt out time and time again? It's because we've neglected that second part. It's because we've neglected that we're supposed to come under Jesus. We're supposed to learn how he does things. It's so easy to, once we've come and rested, be like, okay, I'm done now, and get up and, and go, especially if you're like me. That's, yeah, that's what I do. But it's kind of the same as taking your car to the fuel station for a rest, but not fueling it up. You know, like it's, it's, you're not going to be any different trying to get your car out of the fuel station without any fuel, right? So it's like that with us, with Jesus. When we come and have a rest, that's awesome. First step, great. But we need to come and learn. We need to actually adopt his ways, lay down our own. That's what we need to do. And the last thing that he, not the last thing, but another thing that he obeys, uh, commands us to do is to obey his commandments. 1 John 5.5 5 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So the other part to this is that we've come to Jesus for a rest. We've come to access his peace in the chaos and then we're walking with him, we're learning from him. It's going great. But the thing is, part of it is that we need to pick up our burden, the one that God gives us. Because the thing is, God says, lay down those commandments, those extra rules that you've been living under. But hang on, where you're going is significant. Your life is significant. And so I want to give you commandments that actually make sure you get there. 
But the thing is, the different thing with God is that He is God. He's our Creator. He knows our. Um, the Bible says He knows our beginning from the end, and so He's the one that can give us commandments to govern our life. We can't put that on other people because we don't know what they're going. We're not God. We can't see like that. But God says, "Lay down those ones you've been living by and take up mine. Take up mine because." they will get you to where you need to be. And so as much as I went to these talks, these girl and guy split nights, and I walked away feeling like there were so many rules, I, when, when I actually came to Jesus and learned from him, I realized that there are some commandments that he talks about in, in our relationships and things like that. And they 100% make sense. Because the thing is, God isn't he is interested in us in this earth. But the thing is, he is preparing us for heaven, for our eternity in heaven. Our life here on earth isn't all that there is. And sometimes when we live by rules and things like that, we just live for the moment. We live for what's happening here on earth, but we forget that God, when he saves us, he makes us eternal beings, that we're actually going to spend our eternity in heaven with Jesus. And so the commandments he puts on our lives ensures that we get there as whole, as full of life as we can. I love it. I think it was Spurgeon that talks about how God fits us for heaven right now. He gives us commandments. He gives us life so that we can actually live an awesome life here on earth. We don't have to just wait for heaven to come, but we can live it here and now. And that's the beauty of taking up God's commandments. That's the beauty of it. But the first thing we need to do is that initial step of come. And I really sense that God wants to invite us this morning to come. Maybe you were at a stage this year where, you know, everything was going good and then just stuff happens and you find yourself picking up burdens, you find yourself picking up legalistic rules or, or you feel like you're not performing well enough and so you add all these rules to your life or, or maybe from the pulpit here that we've spoken to you and, and you take that on as a form of I have to live by these rules in order to, to live a life that pleases God, in order to live a life that loves God. So maybe you've picked some of those up this year and you're getting to the end of the year and you're weary, you're tired, you're burdened and so you should be if you're not carrying the burden that God has intended for your life. I love that God calls this burden well-fitting. Again, he's our creator. He knows our shape. He knows our form. He knows what life is destined for us. And so he makes sure he clothes us with well-fitting things, well-fitting commandments that gets us to where we need to be going. So this morning, I want to invite the band back up on stage just to help me. Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Basically, these holidays and these um, ways of living that the Jews had then. God says that these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance, the real deal, is Christ. You know, as kids, we played this game called Shadow Chasey. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Maybe if you've done kids' ministry, you are. But basically, the game is like Chasey, but you're tagging each other's shadows instead. And I was just thinking about this, how all these rules are a shadow of, you know, what's to come of Jesus, and Jesus is actually the substance. It's like playing a game of Shadow Chasey where 
you're wanting to pursue the real thing, but if you're living by these rules, these extra rules, these things that God never put on you, you're just chasing shadows. You're not actually connecting yourself with the substance that is Jesus, the real thing, the real one that gives us life. And really, that's what all this series is. We want to take a closer look at our Saviour, the one who gives us life. We want to make sure that we're living that life here on earth. And so we want to be people who come. We want to be people who learn from Jesus. It's fine. We can have mentors. We can have people like that. But it's important that we come and learn from Jesus, the one who gives us life. And the last thing is that we come and take up God's commandments for our life so we get to where we need to be going. So this morning, you've been hearing me talk about this man, Jesus, and how he came to earth. He was God's son. He came to earth to die on the cross for our sin because sin separated us from God. But once Jesus died and rose again, we could now be reconciled. We could now get into connection with God in a loving relationship where Heavenly Father meets children. And so that's something that Jesus provided for us. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to get connected with this God, with this Savior that has promised life, not just in eternity, but here on earth. So this morning, to give you that opportunity, what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. And all it takes is really just saying this prayer. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he rose from the grave for our sin and for our salvation, then we will be saved. That's all it is. And so this morning, I'll just ask everyone to bow your head, close your eyes, repeat this prayer after me. We're going to pray this together. Dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for dying for my sins and giving me the gift of salvation. Help me to live how you want me to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.